Reading from John 19. So they took Jesus and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him and with him two others, one on either side and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather, This man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. But the tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the scripture which says, They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold, your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we gather before you this evening to remember your sacrifice for us, Lord. And as we have read in your word, Lord, I pray that um, your word would not return to you empty, Lord, but it would accomplish that which you desire and succeed in the purpose for which you sent it. And Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Jesus knew what it was to be despised and rejected. In fact, on the night he was betrayed, he told his disciples that the world hated him and would hate them. John starts his gospel by telling us that Jesus' own people, his own creation, did not receive him when he came. But even his own disciples abandoned him. We read about two of them specifically this evening, Judas and Peter. And Jesus revealed in both passages that he knew in advance of these events that Judas would betray him and that Peter would deny him. Now, Judas' betrayal should come as no surprise to the readers of John's gospel. Every time that Judas is mentioned earlier in John's gospel, he's associated with his betrayal. After Peter's... um, profession of faith in John chapter 6, Jesus refers to one of the 12 disciples as a devil, and John clarifies that he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. When Judas is mentioned again in John chapter 12, Judas is complaining about Mary's anointing of Jesus with expensive ointment, and John notes in his gospel that this is the Judas who was about to betray Jesus. On the other hand, when Peter is first introduced, 
in John's gospel, Jesus says to him in chapter 1, verse 42, you are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Jesus knew both of these men from the start, both who they were and who they would become, and both were sinners. Specifically for Peter, Luke records this fact bluntly in his gospel when Peter, confronted with a miraculous catch of fish provided by Jesus, confesses, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. But Jesus already knew this. He knew Peter's past, he knew his present condition, and he knew his future, Cephas the rock. But even Peter's future wasn't flawless. Paul records in his letter to the Galatians how he had to oppose Peter to his face because he stood condemned. Here was Peter, a witness to the resurrected Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, acting like a hypocrite with conduct that was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Now we'll come back to Judas in a bit, but I want to at least ponder Peter's sinful life, how Jesus called Peter from his life of sin, how Peter sinfully denied Jesus at his time of need, and how Peter would be a faithful leader in the early church, but still marred by sin. And I want to ponder tonight our own sinful lives, the sins we have committed even today, even on the way out the door, even while driving here, maybe sins in our thoughts and attitudes, even tonight, the sins we will commit yet today, tomorrow, and the years to come. Jesus knew all of this sin, all of the rebellion against God, past, present, future. He knew it when he met Peter. He knew it when he made Peter, when he made each of us. Peter knew of all our sins before he even made us, or Jesus knew of all our sins before he made us. We just read the crucifixion narrative from John's gospel, but consider again what Jesus suffered for broken and sinful you and me. Consider what Jesus endured for Peter, who had just denied him three times. Pilate had Jesus flogged, which was often severe torture in Roman times. And as he underwent that, he knew the despicable people he was suffering it for. He endured the humiliation and pain of a crown of thorns, knowing how often we despise Jesus' claim to lordship on our own lives. He endured the calls for crucifixion from his fellow Israelites. Then Jesus goes out bearing his own cross, bearing the cross that we deserve. And Jesus did this fully knowing the sinful human beings we are. He knew that we are quick to deny him. He knew that we have and will act like hypocrites, conducting ourselves in a way that denies the Holy Spirit living within us. As Jesus was nailed at the cross, he knew both Peter's past failures and his future ones. He knew our sinful attitudes and actions today, nearly 2,000 years later. And yet he humbled himself to death on a cross. And even while he hung there dying, he took the time to care for his disciples. As he hung in agony, dying on a Roman instrument of torture, watching as Roman soldiers gambled over his worldly possessions, Jesus was concerned for his disciples. He calls his mother to love and care for his disciple, presumably John, and calls John to love and care for his mother. But it wasn't just his disciples then that Jesus was concerned for. In his final hours, Jesus was concerned for us too. He prayed for us, for, thus, for those of us right here in this room tonight, right before he went out to the garden where he would be betrayed by one of his own disciples. In John 18, Jesus prayed for our sanctification. He prayed for those who would believe in him through the word of his disciples. 
I think it's one of the major reasons we have the scripture text that we read tonight. Because John, one of the disciples whom Jesus cared for in his final moments, guided by a sovereign God, wrote this gospel, the gospel of John, for the express purpose in John 20 verse 31, that we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now that's humbling because Jesus prayed specifically for us. And then he went and died for us, fully knowing how broken and imperfect we are. And despite our sins before we arrived here tonight, despite the ways we will disobey our perfect Heavenly Father tomorrow and the day after that, Christ's death really truly does pay the complete and total price to redeem us from the full weight of those sins. When we trust in Christ's death for us, in our place we can stand justified before God, declared right before him. Now, a few days ago, Gina jokingly asked me, would you still have married me if you knew the real me? And I could have asked her the same question. Because if you've spent any time in a relationship with another human being, a parent, a sibling, a spouse, a friend, a neighbor, you know we're all sinners. And the more you get to know someone, the more you see their faults and failures. And that's exactly the point. Jesus knows us. He made us. We, the church, are his bride. He knew his bride's faults and failures before he took her as his own. And yet, he not only took her as his own, but he suffered and died for her, for us. Jesus willingly took the wrath of God that I deserve, that we all deserve, as he hung there dying on a Roman cross, and he declared, it is finished. The wrath of God was satisfied. It was and is finished. Finished not by man, but by God himself. One commentator notes, Jesus' direct declaration that it is finished is in the gospel text, the single word, teteleste. Being in the perfect tense, it means it has been and will forever remain finished. Consider that. Jesus' atoning work to justify us before the Father, it has been and will forever remain finished. And Jesus did it all knowing who we were and who we still are tonight. But like Peter, a sinner that Jesus said would be the rock, Jesus also knew who we would become. Not because of anything we do, but because his death has also achieved for us the surety of sanctification for all who trust in him. That also is finished. Remember, he prayed for our sanctification before he went and died for us. Our sanctification is both finished and not yet, but it is sure we will be made holy, perfect, and set apart for God. So if Jesus died for us, fully knowing our sin, how should we respond? If our sanctification is guaranteed, how are we transformed? I think Peter, in Acts 2, filled with the Holy Spirit, gives us some idea. When he points out that the people, he points out to the people that Jesus whom you crucified, the scripture says that they were cut to the heart and asked, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter's response is rather simple. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. We are called to repent, to acknowledge our sin and turn from it. 
and then be baptized in Jesus' name for the forgiveness of our sins. Publicly believing and trusting in Jesus' finished work of washing away all our sins, past and future. Repent and believe. It's the same thing Jesus himself proclaims at the start of Mark's gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now Peter repented. Some gospels record that Peter went out and wept bitterly when the rooster's crow reminded Peter of his sin. And John records a beautiful scene of the resurrected Jesus offering Peter the opportunity opportunity to reaffirm three times his love for Jesus. And Peter believed the gospel, speaking of faith in Christ and writing of his letters, writing of the gospel in his letters to the church. But did Judas repent? Matthew's gospel said that Judas saw Jesus was condemned and he changed his mind and tried to return the money, but then he went and hanged himself. He never turned away from his sin back to Jesus. He certainly never trusted in Jesus for forgiveness. Brothers and sisters, what shall we do in light of the crucified Christ? Repent and believe. It's John's call to us in his gospel for us to trust not in ourselves, but rather to believe in Jesus Christ and have life in his name. And this hope that we have, the one who we place our faith in, suffered and died on a cross nearly 2,000 years ago, knowing our past and future failures on that walk of faith. Jesus knew who Peter was, Jesus knows who we are, but he also knows who he is making us to be. Brothers and sisters, repent, believe, and have life in the name of Jesus. And we're going to take time to do that together tonight. We're going to take time to silently reflect on and confess our sins, to turn from them in repentance and back to Christ. And then Ben is going to come forward and pray, and we're going to share communion together to remember and believe the gospel, that the body of Christ was broken for us, the blood of Christ was shed for us, it was broken and shed for sinful and imperfect and yet justified and redeemed you and me. It is finished.